episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. Mama Dubs tweets in and says, I hear you that everything works on the same basic level, but some things are more so, right? Why is that? When it so, comes to substances? I guess so. Hmm. Why, so why, do why, some, why do some people have dysregulation and others I guess not? everything works on the same basic level. She gets that. But some things are more so. Or like maybe right? why is heroin harder to kick yeah, than yeah, donuts? Okay. So, so, if yeah. it is. Some things are more addictive they, in that right. they trigger more of the dopamine release for okay. one. And then also there's, you know, there's a whole component of withdrawal um, so that some, some substances after you've used them when they're not in your brain anymore, they've altered your receptors. Right. And your brain now is essentially signaling, I want that receptor to be bound again, and and whatever was there is gone. And so you start having these symptoms that the receptor is now neurologically sending. And so those are called withdrawal symptoms. Right. And so some substances have more withdrawal symptoms than others. So part of the um, the uh, addiction process or model is that, um, and this is where detox comes into play, getting the brain back to its baseline state. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the chemicals themselves change the brain. And so getting through the withdrawal period called detoxification is the, just the first step um, towards, because you got to get your brain back to where it was before we started using the substances. Right. And that can take weeks to months and sometimes never. Um, so maybe that answers answers Mama Dub's question. Yeah, that would make sense. So, so. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. So, and then um, while we're at it, let me introduce our guest. Yep. So, and I'll tell you briefly how I met him. Um, Kevin is our guest. And um, uh, just struck up a conversation with Kevin. He was uh, installing my dishwasher. And um, started talking. Kevin's from, from Homewood. My boys went to Homewood, so we were talking about things. And um, Kevin, I thought, had a very compelling story. Um, so I'm going to let Kevin kind of... Uh, come into the conversation now and join us. Um, Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, you know, Kevin, I was struck when we started talking. We were in my in my kitchen and uh, kind of just getting to know you a little bit. You know, I'm a psychiatrist, so I like to ask That's questions. I like to learn about people. There you go. You know, we had Mixon in a while back from uh, Lowe's. With, Kevin, uh, did he tell you he was a psychiatrist before he started asking a bunch of questions? Yeah. Or? yeah. Okay. You weren't like <laughs> an hour in and all of a sudden like, Whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I like learning about people, so I think I asked him what he did he, for a right. living. I think he I did, gotcha. actually. There Kevin, yeah, he started, probably started the conversation. So Kevin shared with me, essentially, that he had struggled with addiction yeah. and that he was in recovery. And um, I, I thought it was a great story, uh, just... Um, it, it is a hard road um, to combat. Sure. When you when you have a brain that has these process processes going on that have gotten dysregulated, to get under get it in, under control, it takes a, a strong individual. And I also so. think a lot of times from the outside, if you haven't struggled with addiction, it's hard to understand someone that is. Like and you get to a lot of times like, oh, is that just a weak person, or why is that? Why can't they just stop doing that? Yeah, and and so that. hopefully some of the things we talked about. I mean, why can't you just stop eating? Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a drive. So, Kevin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wouldn't mind if you just want to kind of briefly tell the story that you told 
in Dr. Westfall's kitchen. Briefly is easier said. Oh, you didn't actually. Yeah. Didn't have to be that. Brief. I think it was right. about a three-hour install, wasn't it? <laughs> <That's a> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> must have been. We had a long um, talk. Yeah. yeah, usually when I tell my story, it's in a hour or more setting, and I'm at a treatment center, or right. a meeting, or something like that. But uh, pretty much, you know, I was listening to everything you guys were saying and what Dr. Westfall was saying, and a lot of it lines up with what I've learned in my experience with addiction. And of course, I hadn't. I don't have the uh, educational background to uh, know anything but my experience, really. Um, but what I believe is that I was born this way. Mm-hmm. I believe because at an early age, I remember never feeling a part of. Never really, you know, never really feeling a connection with anyone I should have felt a connection with. Right. You know, um, I had friends in school. And my family, I come from a good family, you know, uh, very supportive and loving. And But something always made me feel just different enough that I felt like I didn't belong there. Right. Um, and at a very early age, when I found something that changed the way I felt, I clung to it. You know, right. Just, you know, I was a curious kid. Uh, I had a chemistry set in the, you know, early 80s when I was a kid. And right. Stuff like that. I was not making drugs. Uh, that sounded like I was leading up to that. That wasn't what I was doing. But, no, I, I would, you know, dig into the cabinets and stuff, and I would find liquor or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. And and I remember at an early age trying it and it changing the way I felt. And, uh, you know, I did normal stuff like Boy Scouts or youth group or something like that. And I remember getting into it and going to one of those functions one time at an early age and for the first time ever around my peers – I either fit in or I felt like I fit in or if I didn't fit in I didn't care anymore. Did here's a question. Did was it that you liked the way it made you feel or was it even just that you felt not yourself and therefore more comfortable? How how would you describe it that? It eased my pain. Like yeah. we were talking about right. the break. It it uh you know, it's it's painful as a child to not fit in. Sure. Yeah. So it it eased my pain. Right. So you know. Let me interrupt for just a second. So of the three systems we were talking mm-hmm. about, dopamine pleasure system, mood regulation system, right, impulsive uh, disinhibition system, which of the three systems are you hearing had some some struggles for him? That sounds like mood exactly. mostly to me. Yeah. Which so then if you also have an impulse problem, makes it worse because – he describes yeah. himself being a little bit risk um, – mm-hmm. he wasn't risk-oriented. Risk yeah. yeah. Okay. Then what he, he was in, in – uh, uh, curious and and you know not not uh, right. to, to sneaking something out of the cabinet. So right, right. so those two combined to leading him to find right. that the substances made him feel less pain. So it was a it was a um, the, the positive the, the dopamine pleasure system comes into play because his brain gave him a dopamine release by taking a w- when you take away something that's painful it's called a negative reinforcement right okay as opposed to positive reinforcement so it wasn't a purely a positive reinforcement mm-hmm. it probably was it was also a negative reinforcement a removal of something that was dis- something that was painful right, right. so sorry <coughs> carry on um you know i wasn't the after school special of the 10 year old that was you know had the shakes and all that stuff but it was i would look for anything outside of me right. to make me feel better and in the in my recovery and the program that I work, we talk about um, addiction being a disease of perception mm-hmm. based on fear. Okay. Um, 
so anything my, my perception of myself because I didn't feel those connections was that I didn't like myself if nobody else liked me I didn't like me right. you know um, but what that also made me try to do is try to fit in try to be liked um, I wasn't the scholar or any of that stuff so I was the bad kid and I was real good at being the bad kid that was your identity yeah yeah, yeah. or skateboarding you know mm-hmm. I had to be the best skateboarder I could so that people would respect mm-hmm. who I was because they couldn't just respect me as me. Right. You know, and as I got older, I tried different things. And what I call, you know, what's normal to me may not be normal to everybody else, but I think my, up until about 18 years old, my progression into the drug world was normal. You know, the right. uh, marijuana and LSD and stuff like that and tinkering with this and that through high school with different people. Um, until... I was about 18 years old, and I tried just about everything and done just about everything. And um, I did this one drug, and I realized that's what I'd been looking for the whole time. That's what I'd been looking for my whole life. Right. That was the thing that everyone else must do before they get up and go to work every day. That's why other people are happy. And it was an opiate. It was Dilaudid. Right, sure. And And for me, that was the thing that, you know wrap that receptor just right you know or however however it worked in me i would do anything for that so you felt like that drug made you on like even par with everybody is that what you're saying yeah yeah. it made you feel normal like oh this must be what normal is like. i really had some kind of thought that everyone else has this too nobody's told me yet like i mean we were actually there was a valid thought in my head that everyone else is doing this and i finally found it right you know why didn't my parents give me this opiate when I was a child? Right, right, right. Yeah. right. But uh, you know, once I found that drug, it was all downhill from there. Right. It was. Uh, I've always had a good work ethic. I've always tried to work, and and uh, I, I mean, I've always worked. And it got to the point. Now we're talking from uh, eighteen years old. To I'm really trying to condense this too. There's so much in sure. between. But to 28 years old, going from a person that could usually keep a job and to several arrests, uh, all the way down to at 28 years old being a homeless person in county jail for stealing and uh, possession. Right. You know. Um, so the arrests weren't. Just for having the drug or buying it or no. selling it, it was it was stuff you were doing to support. Yeah, or just addiction. bad decisions in general, public intox, fighting, you know, uh, DUIs, just right. just things that I lived outside of the realm of reality. You know, when I was in this lifestyle, you know, and and I say that that one drug did it. If that if I would have never found that drug, I would have stuck to another one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I... Did you like every drug you tried? No, I didn't like every drug. But you know what? If there was a drug I didn't like and there was no other drug there, I'd do the drug I didn't like. The drug like. was better huh. than no. Yeah, okay. because something was better than nothing. What was your self-concept during this 18 to 28? Like, how did you view yourself? Did you think like, hey, I'm making it by or I'm out of control or holy crap, what's happening? What? How did you see yourself? Well, when... uh. When I think it was about 98, when I was 23, I had thought I'd hit a bottom with it. I always knew that I was better than this. Right. Uh, Well, at first, I think I thought it was almost, it started out glamorous, you know, in a kind of, 
kind of rebellious yeah and rebellious cool and, you know i grew up in the skateboard punk rock crowd and sure. some other people were doing it and it was kind of what we did then the whole sid vicious thing you yeah. know and screw nancy reagan yeah and all that stuff yeah. and, and that was fun and exciting until it got out of hand you know and yeah. um in about 23 i remember i called my mom one day it was like nine in the morning which i was never up that early and and i didn't just call her that often especially early in the morning and i said hey mom she said hey what's wrong and i was like well nothing i just wanted to see how you're doing how my brother's doing i yeah. need to go to rehab how's dad you know like i snuck it in there yeah. she was like what she was like oh my god kevin is it is it marijuana and uh <laughs> moms I, yeah you yeah. can't beat them i said uh i said i just need to go and and we can talk about it when we get there and we plan to meet at uab and and see if we could get get me into that one and um i was an hour and a half late because i had to let, wait for that last one i had no. to call the dope man and get that last one you know because we always got to have that last one yeah oh i've seen intervention yeah and uh and so i went down there and i went through the motions and i thought my life was going to change but i wasn't willing to do anything you know and right. i went to a halfway house and i got introduced to 12-step programs and what I wasn't ready to do is believe that alcohol was a drug and believe that I was not just addicted to this drug. I was addicted to anything that changed the way I felt. You couldn't accept that at the time. No, I couldn't. Right. And so I ended up using again, ended up leaving that whole program and all that. And I left this, I left Alabama for about five years and I went to Florida. I went to Atlanta. I went anywhere that I had a friend that didn't really know how bad I was that would let me come there and try to start over. And what I found out, number one, no matter where I go, there I am. This disease is inside me. Right. It's part of me. I thought it was I thought Birmingham was my problem. I thought that specific drug was my problem, you know. Um and I did not find heroin or Dilaudid in most places I went. Not at the not at not the amounts I needed to maintain so i ended up just as screwed just drinking alcohol in all those places right so i had to go for five years to learn that alcohol was a drug and i finally did get clean when i was 28 years old in 2004 gotcha um after some serious legal consequences and stuff like that but before that point months before maybe i knew i i knew i wanted to be done i just i didn't think it was possible yeah. i didn't i thought i'd gone too far and um I didn't think it was a possibility, uh, you know, the physical withdrawal of of heroin and opiates. Is, right. It's awful. It, it's the fear just builds and builds the longer you do it, and the fear of that final withdrawal and not having it, and what would life be without it? And it, you know, as, right. as bad as my life was, living in hotels and and robbing stores for a living, you know, and that's it was your life at least. It was you my knew life. what it was. The devil, you know, yeah. Was, you know. Well, every day is Groundhog's Day. Right. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, sure. My the last year and a half of my using was Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Every single day was the same. Yeah, it was. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, you know. Um, I know I have questions, and I'm sure listeners do as well. You can tweet those questions at Lockme Brothers. Let's take a quick break, and I mean like a really quick break. We'll just play a couple of commercials and come right back and continue talking to Kevin and Dr. Mark Westfall. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio in Birmingham Mountain Radio, 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. 
Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>